Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I welcome you to Wow, what a show. This is the live cast of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. It's our outreach, and we are so glad to be here. We have been in a series titled Apples of Gold, Reading Through Proverbs. An excellent, excellent read we have had throughout this month. And I'm so glad that you have joined us or have come to listen. Um, It has been so good. My name is Phyllis and I am your host this morning. And so really thankful that you've joined us. We are today in chapter 25. Now, you might know that we chose to read through the Proverbs during a month that has an equal amount of days. That way we could read one chapter per day. And in so doing, absolutely, you know, come in and absorb some of what we are reading. Now, on this side of the matter, I have been privileged to read them. And therefore, I have had to hear them twice a day, (laughs) which has been so good because I hear them twice a day. I dare say that the Lord has really spoken to my heart so much uh, more than probably anyone else, unless you are reading them also twice per day. The uh, Proverbs are just one wise saying after another. And even though they are one wise saying after another, there is an entrenchment that happens. There is a theme that is repeated. And so, even if you're not reading it twice a day, as we have been on this end, you have heard the repetition of those wise sayings that are definitely reaching into the very crevices, I like to say the cracks and crevices of your daily life and where you are in lack or in need uh, with regards to your character, decision-making, and your Um, guidance uh, from the Lord. So I am joined this morning by Miss Anna again. Fresh in Spaces is her handle. And I'm so glad that she's here. She's our reader and I'm excited because her readings, her comments are always very relevant and so, so insightful. And I gained so much. I'd like to also say good morning, Teeny. Woo, it's so good. Listen, I want to be your radio station as, Mm -hmm. as much as you can. We <laughs> we are not a radio station, and so our cast is um is uh, scheduled. You see, because we can't be on all day every day. But I would love it if you would join us as often as possible. But even more than that, I would love it if you would share it with uh, someone in your life that you may think you know would benefit from reading God's word and understanding it better. That's why we're here. And uh, we're not pouring water into the sea. And yet the fellowship of other believers is rich and wonderful. But if we could, uh, with your hands, extend and reach into our full community, we would be ever so grateful. It would be lovely. I have invited all the young folk in my, well, they're not young anymore, you know, because we are the older ones. Well, we think of ourselves the others is the younger, but some of these folks are, are well into their age, mid mid age there. However, they are young to us, and uh, we'd love to see everyone come. If you still have breath, 
You know, the psalmist says, praise the Lord, everything that does. And so invite, please. Good morning, Anna. I've been talking. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, good to be here this morning. It's a great morning outside. I like it when it's overcast where I am. Um, it's sort of yeah. away from the scorching sun and it looks like it might drizzle. Yes. So it's one of my favorite days actually <laughs> to have the. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels good on yeah. my end. I hope everybody's doing well. So let's jump right in. We're going to read. Okay. Proverbs 25, an interesting read this morning. So I'm going to pray that God give us all understanding. God, I thank you, Lord, for being the Lord of our lives. Uh, what a privilege it is to wake up and be able to do just what we're doing. And that's to sit here and read your word and actually talk with one another via these uh, airwaves. Lord Jesus, we don't take this for granted. We know you're coming again one day. And when you come, we would like to hear that we have done something that you deem faithful uh, that gave you glory and so these moments are precious uh, we have all the day to do all kinds of things for Jesus but there are only a few things we do that we say hey I think that will be something that please God I think that counts for eternity so we just bless your name for giving us this opportunity as we read and please give us understanding together this morning we pray in Jesus' name amen so Proverbs 25. Amen. These are also, these also are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, transcribed. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. As the heavens for height Excuse me, I'm sorry, sorry. Let me start again, audience, I apologize. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and there comes out a vessel for the smith. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not claim honor in the presence of the king and do not stand in the place of great men for it is better that it be said to you, come up here than for you to be placed lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Do not go out hastily to argue your case. Otherwise, what will you do in the end when your neighbor humiliates you? Argue your case with your neighbor and do not reveal the secret of another or he who hears it will reproach you and the evil report about you will not pass away. Like apples of gold in a setting of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances or fitly spoken. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasteth his gifts falsely. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue breaks the bone. 
Have you found honey? Eat only what you need, that you not have it in excess and vomit it. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house, or he will become weary of you and hate you. Like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. Like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. It is better to live in a corner of the roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. Like a trampled spring and a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glory to search out one's own glory. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. So God, I thank you for that. And we want to jump right in this morning, Lord, as you have given us uh, really good uh, instruction here through Solomon, Lord. And I just can't wait to see what you have to do <laughs> with expounding on your own word here through me, Lord, just this morning. So let's let's jump in and look at a few uh, verses that we, again, uh, some of the Proverbs we've heard, but we don't often hear conversations about them. Um, and so I'm hoping to hit just a few of those this morning, not all of them. Let's go to verse two, uh, right at the beginning again in the chapter. It's good to explore what we're starting with. And in case, uh, in case it's not crystal clear, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Now, I've read that one before, and every time I, you know, not every time, but every, lots of times I've read it, I would not stop, but I would understand it. I would just ask, hmm, wonder why that is. Much like uh, one of the readers the other day, Ethan, said, yeah, I've, I've often pondered over that. And so this was one that early on I would ponder over, but I think I'd come to some instruction and a conclusion here. And it was always at the tip of my brain, maybe yours too. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. What does that mean? Uh, if it's the glory of a king to search out a matter, which you might think, hey, that's what God would do. But let's look deeper. The Lord's glory in the fact that, you know, the first verse is in the beginning, God. And that is an amazing thing to say in the beginning, God. And that then mm -hmm. he created. And then everything he talks about. Uh, brings us into play. We're not here until we get through that first uh, chapter. And so the hidden things of God, and I will use a, a couple of words from someone else, an expression of his glory. The hidden things of God really express uh, his glory more fully. Mm -hmm. We always know that we cannot know God fully. 
we know that we don't know everything. We know the Bible says we look through a glass darkly. Okay, but one day we will see him as he is. We know that inherently, but what do we try to do as human beings on the earth? And maybe not every individual, but over time, there have been really you know, diligent individuals who try to seek out a matter. So we have the first uh, part of that, the glory of God is to conceal a matter. I believe it's his own uh, sort of way that he would actually make it so that we could not search him out and know him more fully in a fallen state. I know that. There, we can't find the Garden of Eden else we would have. <laughs> we can't come mm. up with the answers to some of our scientific questions, but we can observe what is already happening. So basically, he's giving us a flower that we can peel back, but we never get the answer to how the flower came to be in the first place. We can go back and look at the, the progress of a flower um, from seed you know, to its ending. But again, there's always that mystery of, but what about this aspect of it? Where did mm. this come? Why does that happen like that? In the first place, we're really just observers peeling back the flower petals of his world. And so that may speak to the hidden things of God as an expression of his glory. But then we've got the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Well, doesn't that seem like a good idea? And I, uh, kings, doesn't here necessarily have to, though it could, if we go back in history, kings would have been, uh, you know, leaders would have been the ones wanting to search out a matter, literally um, who my enemy is, or what can I do to, to guide my kingdom? What resources might we have? But in, we could, this one can be applied to all of us, people, human beings, the mind of that, you know, amazing man that God has made search out the matter they want to then expose instead of keeping mystery they want to expose everything science is an example of man trying to expose things which becomes like a type of and i quote glory of humanity and i like that i know we're made in god's image and we have lots of expressions that uh express his character our ability to create um, things almost out of nothing, not really nothing, but to take the resources that he has and to use our creative imaginations and to see, I mean, it's really amazing to you know what God can do. I remember when Carver, I first read about George Washington Carver, all the inventions that he had, you know, he had to sit down and think them through. He's an expression of God. He's made in God's image. He's doing what God did. He's mimicking the Lord in that sense. But when we search things out, we expose everything. It's a type of glory on ourselves. So when Carver did that and we read about him, who gets the glory? Carver gets the glory in a sense, okay? Even mm -hmm. if God ultimately does, Carver, be, it becomes the glory of a man to search things out like Carver and all his mm -hmm. inventions. And so here, again, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, it's not a bad thing that God is concealing. And hey, but kings are searching out. It really is just a testament to his own glory that you cannot search him out <laughs> fully, but that that is our mm -hmm. endeavor to seek and expose things to the, the degree that we can. So that, um, mm. hopefully that'll be a good one for us. And uh, it's not to, to an indictment necessarily on searching things out, except sometimes I say we exhaust ourselves. And I was thinking recently about the World Wide Web and technology, and I said, oh, it's so properly named. It's really alarming. The World Wide <laughs> Web will catch you 
And you, mm. that's what's happening. We're being caught in our own advancements and it's being used mm. to our detriment. Let's face it, um, sitting here in front of a computer uh, is hurting my eyes like nothing else in the world. You know, so it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, so that's sort of a side note, mm. but nonetheless, search it out if you want to keep searching. But God is amazing and awesome in the fact that he can conceal so much from us. All right, so let's move on. Um, let's go down to four. And I just thought it was worth looking at the word dross. You know, we always want to know what these words mean. So take away the dross from the silver and there comes out a vessel fit for the smith. Simply dross refers to in this context, it, it literally means like debris. But in this context, anything that's not pure for the silver uh, would be like a debris, a mineral waste or something. And so I just thought that was interesting. Take away that waste from the silver. And then you've got this vessel for the smith, the man who would work with the silver and create something out of it. And so same maybe with our lives, you know, whatever we need to have sloughed off of us, you know, the dead skin, so to speak, then we are fit for God mm -hmm. to use. We're fit to be used for something. But there are times when we get a lot of uh, debris and buildup, if you would, like a mineral deposit. And then sometimes we're sort of calloused over, we're roughed over, and we're no longer quite fit for use like we need to be. So let's check ourselves and ask God, what is going on in my life and my conversation, maybe my attitude? Um, I'm going to hit this one really quickly because of something that came up recently. But even something that people count as a, a serious, serious illness, like a depression, unless you have some sort of trauma or, you know, some sort of, um, you, you know, post-traumatic stress issue. I'm not going to minimize anything here today. I don't claim to be, you know, anybody who has the greatest insight, but I do say even things like our self-absorption that sometimes, and please hear me, sometimes I think we go into depressive states because we are self-absorbed. We are highly disappointed in life. We are highly, uh, 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 observant of what's not happening in our lives as opposed to what the possibilities are. It's like the, the, the possibilities get you know pushed under the table and all we can see are the impossibilities. Uh, comparisons, lots of things bring people into a quote unquote or a literal dis depressive state. And I say, I feel like in my own life, that can be uh, mineral waste that can be like dross. God has made me fearfully and wonderfully. And in his amazing power, he says, I've got purpose for everybody I breathe the life of, you know, breath into. And so for me to minimize and diminish his capability in my life may bring on a type of depressive state. And I say that gently, but at the same time, I say it freely, because if it should be that I don't have that but I do have a great deal of buildup that causes me to think I have to stand in the depression. I'm going to say, Lord Jesus, let me be clear about that. Maybe I'm doing this. Maybe I'm preoccupied with something else. And it has built up on my heart. Uh, the joy of my life is robbed. I can only see me. I tell my kids all the time, maybe you should go help someone else for a second. Since, you know, if something's not giving way here, get up and do something for someone else. Because perspective can can lift us up if we get a right perspective we can be lifted so i know it doesn't sound like that verse is talking about that issue but that came to me take away the dross from the silver 
We are the silver, not because of anything we've done, but because God says, I will use you and I will commune with you if you open yourself to me and let my mind be single on him. Am I, is my mind single on him or is it about everything about me? Is it about the world and how horrible it is? Or is it about what am I doing in the world right now? Are we going to die and go, well, the world you gave me? That's ridiculous. This is the world he gave you. To be quite frank, you don't have a choice but to live in it. So, you know, what are we going to do with it? If what he says is true, like Robbie would always say, I have something to do. So we ask ourselves, is it true that I'm his? or not and there comes out a vessel for the smith i don't care if it's in their plumbing and the plumber my plumber they, i don't have a plumber but i do now you know um I, we've got something we can use now you know i don't care if everybody doesn't see you i don't care if it's big or small in your eyes my eyes is he is it a vessel fit to be used let him use you Amen. all right so Let's move on down to a few, and, and there's so many good ones here, but I won't belabor it too long. Let's go to Numbers, uh, verse 6. Um, and 5, really quickly. Again, there's so many good ones here this morning. Take away the wicked from before the king. Those counselors, those people who surround our leaders, let's face it, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say king literally, but again, this applies to our everyday lives. Take away the, the wicked from around you. But it is sometimes more challenging than we, we give ourselves, you know, than we sort of confess to be surrounded with people giving bad in, uh, instruction and bad counsel. And then you yourself turn around and give the best counsel. You know, we are influenced and sometimes we second guess ourselves. So here, take away the wicked from before the king. His throne then will be established in righteousness. You know, maybe mm -hmm. he can live and breathe. He needs something other than obviously the wicked counsel before him, but he needs something that will help him establish things in righteousness. And I say that, you know, just feeling kind of sorry for people who say, I want to be this, I want to be that, or people that envy other people who have certain positions. I'm going, well, as soon as you get that responsibility, ah, I don't know what kind of temptation will come your way, but I suspect the same ones that came their way will come your way. I don't know how you'll handle them, but um, will your throne be established in righteousness, righteousness or is that a, is that a challenge? Um, I don't know. So verse six, do not claim honor in the presence of the king and do not stand in the place of great men. For it is better, everybody, <laughs> that we be asked to come up and sit in the high place than we put ourselves there and then be lowered back. Could you move away? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, John Doe's coming through. I'm sorry you had that seat, but it's no longer available to you. Uh, but you rush to be in the front. And we see that. I love to go back to like school because it happens so, uh, it's so easy to see in children. Uh, they rush mm -hmm. up, there's somebody famous coming, or the principal's there, or they want, you know, and everybody wants to be in the front. Everybody wants to sit in the best seat. Uh, whatever the case may be, kids do it r rather well. I want to sit there. Only a few hold back, but lots of people in their heart and in expression want to sit in the place of great men. But sometimes they find out, hey, we're not going to have a table of six. We're going to have a table of four. And a couple of the kids have to be demoted <laughs> back to the last group of tables in the classroom that were put together. And they're, they're not sitting in the front near the teacher or something or near their, the, the, the girl or guy who they think is really cool. So same in our adult life here. Uh, let's not seek to always, you know, be in the place of the great men, whoever that may be in your life or in, in position. Uh, be humbled and uh, allow yourself to 
um, you know, resist self-exaltation, which is all you're doing. If I'm associated with this person or this thing, then it exalts me. And we like that. We all have pride to the same degree of the people we can see with pride. We have it. It's there waiting at the door if you will just open. <laughs> so be careful um, that you not then, again, be demoted. Um, um, and, and, you know, that's just what it is. So let's move on down here to one. This is an interesting one. Verse eight, quickly, don't go out hastily to argue your case with your neighbor. This is one I think we've had. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to give you a really funny example. Uh, when you're, and then, you know, when, what are you going to do in the end when your neighbor humiliates you? So in nine, verse nine, uh, Proverbs 25, verse nine says, argue your case with your neighbor and do not reveal the secret of another. Let me stop there. One, hastily going out to argue your case. Let's use literally our neighbors. When I was growing up over at my grandmother's, there was a family down the street. And you talk about the, the McCoys and the Hatfields, they would go at it back and forth. And they had all the things to say. You talk about making of a show. I, it was the best thing to know that they were they were in had some sort of issue with one another because I could just go down there and watch what happens. And they fulfilled this 100% every time. Don't They would go hastily to one another, argue out, out loud, cursings back and forth, <laughs> you know, yellings back and forth. You got the family backing you up. Um, but what happens in the end when you're doing that? Now, here, I want to remind you, I'm using them as an example. This is the front porch example. What happens when your neighbor humiliates you? Everybody goes in, they think, I'm going to win this case. That's why you argue back. You think you can shut the other person down. What about in a court of law? What if you take your neighbor? What if they had gone to court? Which I think they did, did that, did that too. <laughs> you know, you go down to court, you argue your case, you think you're right. But what happens if you're not or if you lose or if you're humiliated because really your strong case wasn't as strong as you thought it was before the judge going to expose your neighbor and expose the matter in a court of law or publicly can uh, turn around and have you know grave consequences for you. The admonishment here is to argue your own case with your neighbor to sort of conceal that, meaning work out that issue between the two of you. Work out the issue between the two of you. Now, maybe no one here today does that because, uh, you know, maybe that's just not our way. I really feel like sometimes it's just not my way. I've been in a court and I tell you what, I never want to go back. Like I, I once, mm -hmm. <laughs> my experience there just showed me that this is not the place for me. <laughs> um, because as much as I like to argue a case and thought I could be a great attorney, I can see now the, I can see what can happen there. You have to be really, you've got to have something going on that it's not just a sort of a surface confidence. You've got to have in-depth mm. and insight into the argument unless you will get squashed. <laughs> Again, you've got to have a lot of fortitude sometimes mm. in front of people. So the admonishment here, don't hastily go to argue the case. Okay. And some people might say, how do they get these extra words? And I used to think it when you're reading words I'm reading, and I don't see public, I don't see judge, I don't see courtroom, <laughs> you know, it, it does pay to sort of dig down to find out, hey, why were certain proverbs, just like when Jesus talked, why were certain things said in the first place? What, what was going on in their society that warranted this type of admonishment? And so that's sometimes how we understand what the writer is saying. We put it in the context of what was going on with the people, okay? And so this would be one of them. Um, arguing your case before somebody 
in front of you, a judge. Okay. So let's work out, try to work out. And it can be very difficult to go to a person. I say be quiet until you have the comp, you know, the, the, the wherewithal to do it and at least give it a try. If it doesn't work out, you know, you may have to go to court or something, but it, it could work out. All right, and let's jump quickly just for the sake of time down to uh, lots of good things here. Of course, Nani, uh, uh, <laughs> Miss Phyllis, ah, like speaks yes. to verse 11, which <laughs> says apples of gold in the settings of silver. And I'm reading from um, the New American Standard today so that it's going to read differently than the King James. But nonetheless, um, the word that is fitly spoken, the word that is spoken yes. in the right circumstances, like apples of gold in a setting of silver and so it becomes a beautiful thing if we can say things to one another in the right circumstances uh the fit word fitly spoken in the right vein with the right attitude at the right time under the right conditions mm-hmm. sounds like a lot to consider but i think inside god gives us a discernment um to just sort of settle ourselves and to either be brief or he compels us to go in and give hugs and hold and speak things through, you know, that that is a beautiful thing and very effective. Mm. So let's go to uh, 16. Uh, Quickly, have you found honey? Eat only what you need, what you have um, in excess, and you won't have it in excess and you won't vomit it. So you know, literally, I think it's true that if you eat too much honey, your tummy will get sick. So just quickly on this one, uh, having uh, found a quote unquote sweet thing or something in abundance, only take what you need. The picture that came to my mind here was just our greed, like at a buffet table. And again, these uh, applications are often in my life applied to more serious matters. And so, uh, you know, I I may, it, it may be something a more serious that I can apply verse 16 to, but I think we get a good picture if we look at some things that everybody can relate to, like a buffet, um, eating only what I need, <clears throat> that you have it not in excess and vomit it. So I'm indulging way too much than what I actually need. I liken it also to sometimes when you're in workplaces and people give out freebies or you're at a mall and you just take more little hand, you know, little toys and you you just, we're so greedy, like, oh, the more I can get, the better. So you end up just getting so much and then you have a bunch of junk around you or you have things that, I don't know, turns your hand green or you, you know, you get sick or it's just an excess. So I do believe the verse is speaking to avoid consuming things in excess. And, you know, the Lord gave us a picture when he fed them. Let's face it, they're in the wilderness. We all think about that as a really rough time of life. I don't know exactly what they felt day to day, but it sounded a little rough to live in the wilderness for 40 years and to only eat manna, <laughs> you know, except for a few occasions. And then, the, But you didn't have anything left over. And I guess God was like, hey, you know, you, you I'll curb your appetite for you and find out who's who. I get, he gave them what they needed and not a sec, a drop more, like, you know, and I'm sure they were full and satisfied, but they couldn't do what we can do. And that is hoard and have excess. So if that um, helps us in a variety of ways, I, I pray it will. Uh, 17, I remember this. I don't think it was quoted exactly like this. It definitely not from this translation, but I know it had to come from here. Verse 17, that your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house or he will become weary of you and hate you. 
you ever have that person that comes over all the time or calls out there? They're always there. And we had this neighbor one time who would come down and he lived literally two doors down. And he, that when he started asking for milk from my parents, I thought, what's your problem? Why are you always here? You live two doors down. Um, the idea here is don't wear out your welcome. And I know for a fact, my mother said that more than once, do not wear out your welcome. Here's a verse for you in case you thought that was just a little old fable with something we just say or the person who you're wearing out will become weary of you and hate you. And maybe the hate is not literal or maybe it is because there are some situations where people just overload themselves on you. And, um, you know, so, so do things uh, with some discretion and, and moderation, even when it comes to relationships with people that are close to you. Um, and don't use the excuse I think people uh, sort of border on this aren't you supposed to be there for me? Or they blame people when they're not there for them at every end. I go, I tell my kids all the time, there's a moment where you have to learn to walk alone. Like you really need to, don't, don't get it wrong. We do have community, but there are some times where, you know, back yourself up here and, and, and stay put. Everybody can't be everything for you. You can do this. So say no. I think that's what I told my son recently. And my mom, I went straight back to what she said, say no sometimes. Learn, this is what she said, quote unquote, learn to say no thank you. That's what she said. <laughs> learn to say no thank you. Same here. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house. And I know sometimes we can make these verses sound like they're always figurative, meaning something larger. I think this is a literal. Just don't be somewhere all the time. People get weary of you, grow tired of you. Okay. Uh, let's go down to uh, quickly 18. I've got a friend who lives and she moves in a neighborhood and of course, you know, ladies can be the fierce ones. They don't really like her. So they speak things about her and that can be like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow <clears throat> without explaining that. It hurts, it, it wounds, um, sometimes it, uh, you know, caught, stirs up trouble. Let's not be that person who will then um, bear false witness is what's happening, excuse me, bearing false witness against your neighbor, okay? Uh, let's skip on down here to 21. I say this because this is one we may have heard and then we'll wrap up here in just a moment. Uh, 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat and if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Let's face it, that's a hard saying. I read about people who have lots of enemies because the enemies in their towns, you know, just burned their church. The enemy in their town, you know, just separated the father from his children. And for months, he doesn't even know where his children were because of the explosion. The people in their town shot their husband, came into their home, killed off somebody in bed, literally killing them. These are our fellow brothers and sisters. So how do they get up in the morning and give them food to eat? I think it was Elizabeth Elliot many years ago, went back to the, the, the village of the particular Indian tribes that speared down not only her husband, but a two other men who were out there as missionaries. And let's face it, people say, oh, well, you shouldn't go and try to be missionaries and, and change people in their land. Jesus came to that land because she went mm. back. They didn't have him, see? So it's not about all the time trying to impose myself, but we take ourselves in the imperfections and we try to give Jesus when, when that is really happening, that is. And she taught the people, 
finish the writings, you know, and that's a hard deal. There's another one in case you think this is sometimes it's literally food to eat, but sometimes it's beyond that. What about the wife who had the husband who goes off into the military and then he falls in love with somebody else and then, you know, he, he gets in a bad way and is going to die from a sickness. Ask the woman to take care of his new family. He forsook his old children and his old wife got him a new wife and a new set of children and then says, will you take care of them? And what does she do? And all godliness, 100%, no matter where she failed, her expression was all the Lord. She brought in her maybe enemy, right? Uh, gave them food, literally, to eat a place to sleep, taught them English because they were foreign, helped them get on their way, and uh, fulfilled the request. So if this is hard for you, join the crowd. It is hard, but maybe we can practice this in small instances of our lives. You know, the neighbor rolls their eyes at you, or, if you, or, or somebody, you know, stabs you in the back, Say, hey, it's raining outside. Would you like a ride? No, I can't stand you. <laughs> would, you would you like a ride? Because if I, if I could stand you, I'd offer you the ride. <laughs> and so what does God do? He says here, you will heap burning coals on that person's head. Now, in the woman's case, by the way, it would have maybe been her husband, not so much the, the, new, the woman and child. But nonetheless, whoever is doing evil to you and you return good, you then heat burning coals on their head. This is now God's hand in the matter. We're stepping back and saying, God, I'm going to obey you and you will take care of the rest. The Lord then will reward you. So this is very difficult, no matter how beautiful the ending of this is. The Lord will reward you. Yeah, that sounds great. But you try practicing that today or tomorrow with somebody you deem an enemy or somebody who stabbed you in the back, lies on you. And if you've ever had a job and you've worked, you know how when it happens, and I'm one testifying, when it happens at work, you just want to leave them. If it weren't for the fact that I had a family, I would not be here. <laughs> but in God's sovereignty, he kept me here. And I said, God, what would you have me to do? Who am I? And whoever I am, that's what I need to be, no matter what's going on here. And, you know, God, you do with them whatever you deem necessary. I'm looking to please you. So we want to move on here. And I think 28, uh, we will, is it 28? Uh, we will come and close out at least my part of the discussion with, um, mm, I'd love to always stop here at 20, uh, Nani News. I mean, I'm still 24. <laughs> Uh, again, in case you had a good week, but just this morning you backtracked, it's better um, to live in the corner of the roof. I'm leaving. I'm getting out here. I'd rather sit on the edge than being in the house with a contentious woman. And we always think of that in terms of the wife and the husband. But, you know, having older sons and just knowing people, having daughters. It doesn't even say a man here, by the way. It just says to live in the house with a contentious woman. It's better for anybody to be on the rooftop. So your children can teach you that. Your friends can teach you that. If you seem to be contentious, and maybe we ought to look up that word and say, what, what aspect of contention do I have here? Is it complaining? Is it murmuring? Is it um, being angry all the time? Is it finding fault all the time? Is it discontentment? Is it what, what part of contention is going on in me? And am I really running people mm. away from me? And sure, I want them to listen. Absolutely. That's why I'm saying these things. That's why I'm being this way. 
But what can I do, God? And you'll find you have to do the hard thing, but that is the character builder. How do I do the hard thing and not run people away? I, you know, and so there's a lot there for all of us to learn. And as we close out, um, I had 28 here, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Um, you know, the city broken into literally and doesn't have walls. Uh, he's vulnerable. That, that city's vulnerable. <laughs> like, you know, you, you, you're broken to without what you're, you were vulnerable from, from the beginning. So if we do not have any control over our own spirit, we leave ourselves prey to all sorts of things. Um, I need to be able to control myself. <laughs> I need to be able to exercise wisdom and how I respond. Um, lots of situations can fall up under this verse, but we become like the city that's broken into that didn't have the literal walls for defense. When we lack self-control, we open ourselves up and are vulnerable to all sorts of things that usually lead to no good for ourselves. We become that broken into city and so ponder over 28 and god i thank you you are amazing and i pray that we all have gleaned something if you have a verse that resonates with you feel free to put it in the chat just so that we can all know um, what god is speaking to you thank you praise the lord glory to god Ooh, i told you guys that honor was coming and the insights that she brings are so really deeper than our maybe your first read, certainly my first read. God is so good. Thank you so much. That was great. Every reader that we have had through Proverbs has astounded me with the revealing that has come forth. And the, the matter of Proverbs is... I, I, really and truly until I read it through this time. It started when I read through my grandson a couple of years ago. And I've read the Proverbs many times, but I took them like I took all those sayings that we grew up with. And they do make impact. Don't get me wrong. You do remember some and they make impact. But this time we have searched into, it's like it's like the Lord has allowed us to dig a little deeper and find more precious pearls or pearls of great price, Jesus Christ said. <laughs> and that is the, uh, the voice of the Lord speaking to us by the Spirit, revealing to us. Now, we started this segment this morning with a restatement that these are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah uh, copied, you know, they wrote it out. And um, that's a, a restatement because remember, I think it was in, in 17, the end of ver uh, chapter 17, where Solomon says, now I have left you these wise sayings. He's saying to his son, heed them, take, take, um, um, consideration, consider them and, and apply them to your life. And then we pick up a gathering of some proverbs that Solomon included from other people. 
but they sound so much like Solomon, right? That my suspicion is, and of course I have no foundation for this, is that these people who visited Solomon and they took heed and went forth and became themselves people who would speak wisdom. And so we gathered those uh, in and they are included here. But I think we go back now to the absolute words of Solomon. And I'll double check myself because I, I don't remember exactly when it starts and when it ends, but I will. So this has been absolutely wonderful. And I want to read just the comments that are left here, uh, fresh and left one herself. But I want to go back. There are a couple of really good ones uh, that I think bear, you know, just reading. Um, I think... Let's see. Not many this morning. Our attendance is a little bit lower than it has been heretofore, but still Light Touch says some great stuff. And I want to say, sorry, correction, that is. Oh, yeah. She says the verse 11 is the meat of our lessons from Proverb, and that is true. That's where we have taken our <laughs> our title <clears throat> excuse me and i want to i want to read it again i do um and you did such a good job Anna, of explaining it it's beautifully stated but a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver right it, the imagery there is that a right word spoken at the right time with the right tone uh, to the right uh, uh, circumstance is is beautiful to the soul, like these this picture of little apples of gold in uh, pictures of silver, right? And they have that kind of value and weight. It's beautiful, and that's where we took our our title for reading through Proverbs. And I have to say that I was first made aware of this particular proverb in a gift that someone gave me years ago, a journal. And well, I don't know if it was a journal. I can't find it anymore because I've had it. I had it for 30 years, I'm sure. But that the book title was Apples of Gold. And I was impressed then. I looked it up. And uh, so that's where it comes. And the Lord has been working on me for a long time, as you can see. And this is good. My son gave me a book titled Proverbs for Couples. He gave it to my husband and I years and years ago. And the same thing, bringing out these things that help couples grow. So as you can see, the Proverbs are snippets that uh, deepen our understanding of, of ourselves, not other people. These Proverbs are written so that we might investigate who we are and allow God in his wisdom speaking to search us out on the inner man. Remember, he says that he looks on the heart, on the heart. All of the outward expressions of a man have absolutely no meaning if they are not met with an inner man that is true and constant in his way. God is examining you from the inside out. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so very much this morning. Anna, I just wish you could come again and again. Uh, we have seven days. 
oh yeah, we hit on this, the, your explanation of that gluttonous ap- appetite for everything, you know, uh, mm-hmm. is, is just, yeah, that was, that was worth our, our really hearing. And I thank you for, ex- you know, just spreading it out so that we take it not as in the literal, surely overeating anything, but the honey mm-hmm. will certainly cause you to throw up. You know, some people mm-hmm. are hooked on sweets and they just eat and eat and eat the sweets, right? And then they develop disease because sugar is deteriorating in inner uh, systems of our bodies. So we want to watch the gluttonous uh, attitudes that we have about food, but as well as anything else, people who buy shoes and shoes and shoes and shoes and more shoes, and they become shopaholics for things and things and things, right? And they uh, desire too much pleasure, anything in excess. And the Lord tells us everything is, uh, all things are lawful, but everything is not expedient. Mm -hmm. So writes the apostle, yeah. And light touch picks up on your explanation of, you know, keeping your feet out from underneath somebody's table too much. Stay home and mind your own house. Turn to God for all your answers. Ain't it the truth? Loneliness will cause us to sometimes overextend ourselves in another person's life or um, cause them to search you out more often than they ought. And it's just on that point, light touch. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so ask God for answers. Let the Lord be your friend, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't know how to do that, simply start reading his word and talking to him, you know, just talk, talk to him and, and you'll see that he talks back by the way, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. talking to us all the time. Definitely in his word, he talks back. He really, and then you'll begin to hear the voice of the spirit of God guiding and directing you and being a friend. And then Light Touch says, if you have nothing good to say, don't say anything from verse 18. Verse 18 says, for surely there is an end. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm sorry. Uh, Verse 18, verse 25 says, um, a man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul. You know what that is? And a sword and a sharp arrow. This is the King James rendering. And that's what it becomes. A maul is... um, it, I think it's a, a tool with a sharp end that you rip stuff apart with or the, the using of the word, a, a lion that would jump on somebody and maul them to death. You know, those sharp claws just tearing into the flesh and destroying. This is the thing. That's right. It be, it's not good. It's not good. And learn not to talk so much. I think you said that, Anna. Just learn to keep quiet. Just Calm down and stop talking about people and uh, or talking. You know, some people just want to share stuff and and don't realize that what they're really entering into is, you know, the exchange of information that needs to be kept uh, secret, mm-hmm. concealed. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. I, yeah, I say, say nothing that, to do it. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, yes. uh, right, that is true, and we do that. And I know that at our kitchen tables and the privacy of our own homes, we tend to share a lot. We do. Um, talking mm-hmm. yesterday, I started feeling at the end, I know it's the Holy Spirit just making sure I balance what I was trying to say and not getting mm-hmm. over into a place I don't need to go. And that is, hey, am I starting now to bring someone down that I don't need to? It's not my intention. I'm feeling something, but 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. so I believe that was just the Lord, you know, just saying, okay, whoa, horsey, you know, you got it going, okay. um, we get it. You can um, slow down with what you're saying out of your mouth. It's not really mm-hmm. profitable. And we can accidentally, I'm going to tell you, I, I think I, I felt it. I've seen it. We say so mm-hmm. much then we really do influence the minds of other people against Mm -hmm. other people. We do. I don't care if you meant to do it or not. It just happens because then I start reconsidering what I'm thinking about the person. I, you know, I, I I was taking it face value, what you were just sort of dealing with the information that was pertinent and relevant. Right. But then when we go too far later in the day, you know, and then the next time I hear the person or they call or something, and this is just hypothetical, you know, then I, I'm a little colder, mm. a little cooler than I was maybe, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it really does happen. And it happens in every space. Let's not deceive ourselves that it's not happening. And if nobody comes back and has another conversation to sort of balance that out for you, you could go away for a very long time with a new attitude. And so that talking, whew, you know, at least when we end, let's try to end it with the information that we think is impertinent and sort of say, but if I'm wrong, let's you know, kill off what's really not going to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm like in the, the verse mm-hmm. where I'm arguing something and I will be put to shame later, but I will have done damage. Mm-hmm. So it's, yes. it's, it's a tricky thing, but we can all, you know, when you get checked in your own private space, just let God check you and move on um, from it. And, you know, these Proverbs allow us to see how very uh, fallen we are in our nature away from the uh, maturity and the perfection that we find in Christ, in knowing Christ. And I was just telling my husband this morning, it's amazing. I really ponder the fact that there are people who don't believe in God and yet they truly believe in Satan. And I'm thinking, wow. That is quite a conundrum for my mind. I can hardly get to that because the Lord warns us of the deeds of evil and of the enemy. And yet we'll walk, you know, uh, in partnership with that, but will not walk in partnership with that which is the opposite. Even it is more than the opposite. God's good is pure and through and through. There is no evil to be found there, right? And it is delivering as well. So let's uh, really thank God that he's given us who the Proverbs to look deeper in because really when you're reading through the gospel, now Jesus Christ talks of the purity of the soul. He really tells us out of the heart that the heart is desperately, he tells us that, right? And then goes on to teach uh, how to come out of it. He teaches salvation. And then the apostles write, the epistles are, you know, an expansion of those teachings. These Proverbs, though, they they are not cutting any corners. You don't read Proverbs and walk away and say, ooh, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. No, no, no. These make you look inside. And that's so good. Uh, say nothing if you have nothing good to say. Because nothing sometimes speaks louder. Amen. LOL. That's from Freshen Herself. And Light Touch writes, the joys and sorrows of life are often tied to relationships. If we are at peace with God through Jesus Christ, reading his word and prayer, we build our relationship with God and can then maintain good balance with each mm. other. You are right. 
the glue is the love of Christ and the spirit of God working in us to do of his good pleasure. And his good pleasure is to raise us up in the stature of him, his own character. He's bringing us to that point. Because as Anna said in the beginning, there is something coming. There is something coming. And do you want to sit at that table and sup with our Father? I do. And therefore, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for every word fitly spoken. That's another thing. These Proverbs are fitly spoken. They are spoken <laughs> at the right time, in the right voice, with the right tone about the right situation. This is who I am, Father. Thank you for looking in and for cleansing me. And remember, he says, if I sin, right, and I confess my sin, if I tell the Lord, this is me, Father, please, he is faithful and just, so says the book of James, to forgive us our sins and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord is willing. He wants to. And we are, we are told that repeatedly. Praise God. Praise God. God, thank you, Jesus. We have dined sufficiently this morning. Oh, guys, we will come again this evening at 8.30. This is, by the way, the last week of Proverbs. We do have another Monday, no, Sunday. Sunday, our reading of the Proverbs ends. So jump in whenever you can, however you can, and let's really uh, get to the very end and ask the Lord to really plant all of his word inside, that it grows us into being the trees of righteousness that he is planting, the planting of the Lord. So it is written in the book of Isaiah. We are that when we are redeemed and we accept the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We accept all that the benefits of that the salvation brings. Jesus Christ, our righteousness right from the beginning, but then us working it out and coming into the fullness of what he already made possible. May God be praised. Absolutely. May he be praised. These apples of gold, for these apples of gold, words fitly spoken. Thank you, light touch. Hallelujah and amen. Well, go forth in great joy, right? And like the trees of the field, let's clap our hands and ask the Lord to bless our day in every way to go before us and to be our rear guard. His word does that. And it, you will you will watch, you will see, you will be diligent, you will discern. You will walk with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God who's created all and also by his own hand redeemed us through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. May you have a great day. See you later. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, everyone in the studio. God bless. See you now. Thank you all those beautiful likes. All of you who gave those, I appreciate it much. We do. God bless.